Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hi, I'm Michael, and welcome to What We're Watching, our Patreon-exclusive podcast where we watch a limited series week by week. You may remember that we've done a few of these in the past. We've talked about Loki Season 1 and Foundation and The Book of Boba Fett. We haven't had what one might call the greatest of hit rates uh, with our What We're Watching <laughs> series. So the question is now, will the streak continue? Or will it be broken? Let's find out. Today we're talking about True Detective Night Country, Episode 1, titled Part 1. I'm joined by the Beyond the Screenplay team, Trisha Arand. Hello, everyone. Brian Bittner. Hello, Travis. And Alex Gallardo. <laughs> Hi. Um, okay, so yes, if you don't know what the deal is, so this episode that we are releasing is public, obviously, for those of you hearing it, not on our Patreon, so we're going to do this episode public and then moving forward uh, all of the following episodes will be available for patrons over on the beyond screenplay patreon in the what we're watching tier which is also where you can access all the previous seasons if you want to listen to us talk about those other shows week by week uh but yes yeah, so <laughs> true detective night country week by week we're going to be releasing episodes as soon as we can after the episodes air uh, and yeah, henceforth, they will all be living on the Beyond Screenplay Patreon. So let's talk about Night Country. But before we do, something kind of random. HBO Max reached out to me and sent me a box. And so I decided let's, we'll unbox it together. Like real content creators. Like real content creators. <laughs> Hooray! <laughs> We're going to influence the heck out of this. Okay. So we have some box with a lock on it. Ooh, a blanket. Ooh. That's really cool. Yeah. Oh I'm my god. Right, that's Max. real stuff. Wow. wow. The wow. North Face. A North okay. Face jacket. Okay. We got a nice. flashlight. Thing. The long night sets across the Arctic, hiding secrets in its wake. Beneath this icy veil are also the items you'll need to navigate your way through the darkness. Also, for our uh, audio only listeners, how's it going? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> oh, wait. There's the oh, numbers. The number. There's the numbers. Zero one one four. All right. Some more swag, I think. City of Ennis mug. Ooh, Ooh socks. Yes. It's a candle. a candle. Does it smell like missing scientists? <laughs> Lemon caper mackerel. Oh, it's oh, tin wow. fish. Oh, there's a little puzzle. It's like a little jigsaw oh, sweet. puzzle. And we're going to do it together. <laughs> we're going to do it together. <clears throat> okay. We're ready. We're ready to continue. 
my special night country North Face jacket on. Uh, reminder for people listening, uh, we also have a YouTube channel with video so you can watch all of that that just happened. Or if you're listening on Spotify, you can also watch on Spotify. So reminder in case you want to see our amazing faces as we do. Uh, amazingly clever. Three of us are very attractive. <laughs> you decide. Um, it's a choose your own adventure. It's a choose your own adventure. <laughs> Matt. Okay, so Night Country, True Detective. I watched no trailers. I think I watched 30 seconds maybe of the first one until it was like, oh, they're going to say stuff. All right, never mind. But I was pretty much sold on new season of True Detective rebranding we're kind of starting over was the vibe Jodie Foster is in it like okay True Detective plus Jodie Foster I want to see this uh and so watching this first episode right now I'm kind of just like thrown I'm trying to figure out what I, I like what genre this is like I think mm. like going into it you know it my True Detective is season one, which I love. Made a video about it. It'd be great to talk about it. I feel like it's one of the best seasons of television ever made. Uh, but it feels pretty grounded and pretty gritty and realistic and very crime thriller like that thing. This movie opens up uh, and I was like, like the first two minutes, I was like, am I watching the, the right, did I click play on the right thing? And then we're sort of in this like lab. It feels sort of science fiction-y almost and very the thing, mm -hmm. like kind of horror vibes. And so kind of all these things that are not what I would expect from a detective show uh, or, you know, the true detective branding. So, uh, yeah, so that was interesting, but I'm intrigued. The rest of the episode feels like it's doing that thing where it's setting up a lot of different things and backstory and we're going to learn about this history and that history. And then the main mystery is also not a very detective-y mystery where usually it's like someone was murdered and there's the crime scene and now we're going to figure out, put the pieces together. This is a whole team of people have gone missing. So... I'm really curious to see, I feel just kind of like disoriented, but curious to see then the next episode now that I am sort of knowing what genre, what world we're working with, where it goes from here. So that's kind of where I'm at right now. Alex, what are your thoughts? It was interesting because, um, so I haven't watched all the seasons of True Detective. I saw seasons one and two, and I haven't really rewatched them in their entirety since then. Um, so it's been a while, but I remember from season one, there was this element of of a bit of the supernatural or the spiritual um, kind of there in in some of, you know, Matthew McConaughey's like visions. But like you said, Michael, I remember it also being a very grounded, gritty, like sometimes hyper realistic world. Um, and and the beginning of this with the CG, you know, reindeer or whatever. And then my, my husband and then the kind of be yeah, at the sci-fi vibe of the uh, lab. My husband was asking me, oh, Hey, wait, is this show like a supernatural, like X-Filey kind of show? And I was like, no, it's not. It's like a more of a realistic detective show, I think. Um, but it was interesting how he sensed from that very opening, wait, which mode should I be in? Am I watching a supernatural thriller or a gritty detective thriller? Um, mm -hmm. And I, I was pushing back saying, no, no, it's not a supernatural X-Filey show. But the more I saw this episode, the more it was like, 
oh, is it? There's a creepy shape that just passed in front of the frame. Uh, There's a literal around. ghost. Is a literal a ghost, ghost walking around in the ice. Like <laughs> Yeah. So I also felt disoriented. Um, but then I was thinking about it and thinking, you know, this is potentially interesting because this is a kind of a reboot, rebrand, new thing. It, it's, you know, Night Country is the bigger text in the title. It's based on True Detective. This is created by a new creator. And uh, one thing I realized upon reflection is that, you know, there could be a rationale for this for this to be an, an inc a heightened level of supernatural paranormal if you are kind of using the place and the, like, ancient culture of a place as like the framing device for a true detective story. So if you're in the land of the Inuits and this kind of like mysterious edge of the earth, you know, native land that the, the language of that land could be more ghost story, spirit animals, that kind of thing. It's unfortunate that our CGI abilities with these animals is what it is. Uh, but I was starting to sink into the realization of maybe there's, there's a logic to this. Like this is actually potentially taking this place and this, you know, kind of lineage of this place and bringing that forward into the true detective, you know, buddy cop detective story. Um, so I'm really intrigued to see if that can work throughout the whole season if what kind of is established here is this uneasy, I think, marriage of these two things. Because we also have the detective partners kind of doing the true detective thing. We even have kind of like a Matthew McConaughey attempt at like, God is alone. You know, like mm -hmm. there's there's these things that are very true detective-y paired with this kind of new hyper paranormal stuff. So yeah, I'm with you, Michael. I'm, I was disoriented, but intrigued. And the more I thought about it, the more I could see a potential logic to this new world and this new kind of hybrid approach. Yeah, interesting. Trisha, what are you thinking? You have your thinking face yeah, on. Yeah, I have <laughs> concerns. Um, I have so many thoughts about this episode and like, you know, you, you kind of, I think the thing is you have the true detective name, a lot of us audience members come in hoping for a return to form. And clearly what we're getting is a pivot. And like that, I, I'm with you, Alex, in theory, a pivot is okay, right? Like if you show me something good in and of itself, um, I don't need it to be a true detective brand and I could in theory take it on its own terms. Um, so I'm working on myself to approach it that way. I didn't know that I needed to do that, right? Like, that's the thing, is that right, like, right. I wasn't prepared that I needed to do that. Maybe like you, Michael, like I didn't watch any of the trailers, but maybe if I had, I would have been like more prepped for something totally different. Where like Jodie Foster's dead son's hand is like grabbing her shoulder in the middle of the night. Right. And then there's like mm -hmm. a, a polar bear animal, like stuffed animal with no eye. And then there's a real polar bear with no eye because why would that? exist or like yeah there's a smoke monster somewhere probably. oh my god it feels that way you know it, it reminded me a lot of stranger things i was like oh is this like the opening mm. episode of like new stranger things because it is just the supernatural stuff is just so it just permeates the whole thing um in a way that i don't think works for me but i'm i'm working on that 
But even that aside, like, if you want to talk about taking something on its own terms, just as the first episode of anything, I feel like there's some structural bumps here for me. The heavy lifting uh, that the dialogue has to do for the expository work is so much. Like, they're doing so much of it in dialogue. And they could rely on action to do it, right? Like, the first scene where we get with Navarro, where she's, like, uh, you know, in, at that plant, and they, they have an unconscious guy there, and she's like, you hit him with a bucket. But then she, like, arrests the guy because he hit his girlfriend. I was like, all of this is good character work, right? Like, I, all of that is great. That is how the expo exposition should be done. That's how the character work should be done. But then there's so much straining in other places in the episode with like, she goes to talk to the brother of the missing girl and she's like, oh, you know, I have no break in your sister's case, but isn't it awful how like these things happen and how long ago it was and blah, blah, blah. And it's just, it's, and then we hear this, we see the story later in a flashback and we hear so much about it. And I think, you know, I thought an, about it a lot more. I have a few pitches on what I would do differently, but at the end of the day, I think it's trying that this first episode is trying to do too much. Like I think yeah. if it needs to focus on the mystery more and let the rest of it, like I don't actually need to know that much about all the backstory. I don't need to know about Jodie Foster's dead son. Probably. I don't need to know all the information about the missing girl. I don't need to know about John Hawks's character and his son and their whole thing. And then that son's whole kid and that like, and then like, here's the, her daughter. Is it really her daughter? What happened to her dad? And like their whole relationship. It's just like the, the movie at the series, this pilot episode is straining to cram stuff in information, information, information. And I'm going to bet you 20 bucks we only need 25% of it. Like, really, like, I would watch this show. If you make the mystery compelling enough, I don't need all the backstory yet. You can save some of it. Um, and I think at the end of the day, I was just like, I wish this were, like, more world, like, setting the tone of the world and the place and the mystery itself. And, like, do both of those things together the same way that season one episode one of true detective does and not that that doesn't also do character work and we can get more into it um but it's letting the mystery and the action of following the mystery bring out the character work um rather than making them do it in expository dialogue um oh yeah and the sister the like oh, here's the sister she's throwing stuff and like i called you first and I moved here. I, you talked me into moving here. And like, anyway, it's just, uh, it's a, it's a real slog and we simply don't need it in this episode. I don't think. And so again, it's like, you just have to make this season. If you're going to make it really different than true detective, do it, but make this season a limited series of its own. That is strong right out of the gate. Um, and yeah, I'm willing to, I'm willing to go on this ride. Like, you know, if there is this much work to do in the first episode, then maybe they need to do all of it here. Um, and I'm going to find out, you know, next episode and down the line why it all had to be done right up front. 
So like I'm I'm willing to give that much room, but it just does feel like it's a lot to get through. It's just dense. Yeah. Yeah, I I definitely want to talk come back to the idea of plot motivating character to be revealed because I think that's a really important lesson to call out, but I want to hear Brian's thoughts first. Yeah, I mean I feel like I have my my overall thoughts and then also have so much to say based on everything everyone else has said so far. Um, but, but on a positive note, I just want to say like, I'm a big mood person and like the mood of, of season one, I think is here in a big, bad way. And that made me really happy. Just the music and the shots and just the feeling. I don't think that was really in the second or third season. Um, and just like the, you know, just like a bleakness and like, a and just a sort of a weirdness and a cool music video kind of thing to it um, that I just really, I really gravitate towards. Um, and, uh, and, you know, I, I think thinking about the first season, uh, you know, you can't compare anything to True Detective season one, right? Like, so don't, don't try. Um, but, but I do think um, there is, there was that sort of like supernatural question mark in the first season. And I was remembering that the first season I think was originally going to end with them uh, disappearing at the end uh, and just completely being gone. And what does that mean? Right. And I think it's like, I'm sure they would have pulled it off. Uh, but there's also part of me that's like, you spent seven episodes, not really preparing me for like this kind of supernatural thing. So what I appreciate here is they're just like, look, this is what this show is <laughs> like, like this season of this show is this and we're just doing it right out of the gate. So now anything that happens, I'm at least prepared for, and it's not going to feel like pulling the rug out from under me, which I at least appreciate. Um, and as you were saying, Alex, my first thought was this is not called true detective season four. It's called true detective night country. And it was my problem with black mirror where the, that some of the episodes in the new black mirror season were just not what black mirror says that it is basically. And Charlie Brooker said, yeah, I didn't want to just keep doing the same thing. And it's like, that's fine. Then just call it something else. Call it Black Mirror, colon, you know, whatever, rather than just saying, here's a new season of Black Mirror. And then you watch it and you're like, and eh, that's kind of not it. So I think there's part of me that's just like, I don't need this to be quote unquote true detective um, in terms of how grounded it is or, or not grounded or whatever. I'm kind of down for, for whatever this thing is. Um, and, and then finally, yeah, what you were saying, Trisha, about like kind of the the pacing here. I think there was the first like 20 minutes. I was so down for like, cool. It's the thing. There's even a VHS of the thing next to their TV, um, mm -hmm. that I noticed. And, um, and like, we're going to get this weird. And then just like the character stuff was starting to happen. Like the scene that you mentioned, Trisha with the, with the, like the, the, the asshole. Um, and then the, like, once it was like Jodie Foster gets the call and she has to go pick up her daughter and then they're arguing and then the car accident almost happened, or I guess does happen. And then she's like, I was like, I'm so happy right now. It was just like, it was like so intense. And I was just like, yeah, let's do this. And then there was just this like 30 minutes, maybe 25 minutes of just like characters doing stuff, talking to each other, not a lot of detective uh, just a lot of like, Hey, you remember that thing? But let, here's what your backstory is. And it, I didn't dislike any of it as much as it just felt like this isn't what the first 20 minutes of the show were kind of setting me up for. But then by the end, that whole final sequence, um, 
with the polar bear and her kind of piecing together the 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 parka and then the like that final shot i was just like cool like yeah i'm 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 on board for this so i'm i'm optimistic about where it's going to go but i definitely don't disagree with any of the sort of like you know um doubts that that you guys are having i definitely had that feeling after watching it of like i i probably should have it subtitles on because it was one of those things where i needed to have read some of the things mm. they were saying, because it, it, like you were saying, Trisha, so much was being explained just through dialogue, not through action, not through visuals about their backstories, about their relationships, like who's the parent of who. And like at one point I was like, is the John Hawks character the ex of Jodie Foster? Right. I was, is that their kid? Like, or is that just she's kind of the surrogate mother to him at the station? There's a lot of characters, as you were pointing out, Trisha, just lots of characters, lots of relationships and probably yeah maybe too many for one episode for us to absorb it all and understand yeah kind of the relevancy of all of it to the to the current plot i will say though i have a lot of questions and i like having a lot of questions like there was a very dense uh, first episode but i'm like yeah but what what happened here and what's this and what's that and like that's kind of what i want from this kind of show is there's a lot of just like a thing there's a thing that you need to know about but we're not going to tell you yet so i did appreciate that at least and I, I will say there are a lot of limited series uh, that have done this before where the first episode, I'm kind of like, eh, that was mm. a lot of setup. I don't really know. And then the rest of the show is spectacular. And I end up not minding the fact that I had to kind of get through a slog in the first episode. So we'll see. Yeah. Yeah. So it's interesting. So I've, I've also been rewatching all of Fargo recently mm. as I've been watching the latest season of Fargo and, and this had kind of Fargo-y vibes to me also because Fargo kind of dips its toe into the like surreal at times. Um, and I think something that it does is as you were pointing out earlier, Trisha, like you have, you kind of start small and focused and then slowly you gradually like expand the you know the bandwidth of the characters and the backstory and you get mm -hmm. slowly wound up in the goings on of all of these people and so i think that's a really good destination to get to but as you were saying i feel like this first episode felt the need to try to wind us up in all of it like immediately or get us sort of you know like set up all of that earlier and didn't hasn't felt like it's growing organically and something that's really interesting in the, the first season of True Detective is that, you know, there is certainly a lot of talking in that first episode, but I think it focuses strong on the mystery, like you were saying, Trisha, hooks you with that. And then there's a number of, like, interesting, like, formal things it's doing. So both of the main characters are getting interviewed 10 years right, later right. about what happened back then. And so you're sort of jumping around in time, both in the past and in the future. And what they're saying is just creating so many questions to your point, Brian, of like, it's really fun to have questions. That first episode of True Detective is just like every minute there's a new question being thrown into your brain of like, well, wait, they were together, but now they're not. And like, what must have happened? And they say they solved it, but they didn't. So like, there's just so much of that happening. And I feel like that's almost why I can never be repeated because there's just something very specific about that setup and that time jump that allows you to do all of this setup so efficiently and so it's interesting because i think it, the thing that the show seems to be after in this first episode i think 
is the correct thing where I want to know about all the lives of these people and how it's all going to be intertwined, but it isn't happening in a natural organic way and isn't happening once I've been hooked by the mystery, as you were saying earlier, Trisha. And, you know, there are, Trisha, you mentioned the first scene with Navarro, you know, and that, that, that struck me as a great, as you said, character introduction scene and kind of same with Danvers, uh, with the initial inspection of the crime scene, um, we get to learn what kind of detec detective she is and how she relates to her kind of lazy uh, John Hawks, Hank is his name, uh, co-worker. But, you know, he he's he's just looking at all the evidence in a really cursory way and just making assumptions. She's the one who knows that Mayo turns runny if you leave it out for two days and, you know, the the lines on the tongue or from a fishing net. And I think that was just a nice, that felt like a good true detective sequence right there as well. Just, we get to learn how she thinks, how she relates to her colleagues. Um, and so I think the show, what, yeah, once again, when it shows these characters doing their jobs and we get to see how they do their jobs, that's what we want from true detective and, mm -hmm. and just to learn what kind of a cop, what kind of a detective they are. And yeah, where, where I started to drift and zone out and miss dialogue was when it was just cutting from house to house to house to house not even being spatially aware of like whose house i'm in at one point i thought the kind of the kid the the young deputy i was like because i was still confused about whose mom or dad or anybody was like is this jody foster's house is, does she, is she like a mm -hmm. living grandma and that's the grandson so i think there was there was a disorientation that happened when you go away from them doing their job and i do wish I think it would have been a stronger episode if it was focused on the case and it was focused on them in the field doing their job more as the way to, to reveal character and relationships. And then, yeah, as the season progresses, we can dip into their home lives and their sisters and brothers and kids and grandkids and all that. Yeah. I mean, my thought was about the world and how the first season of True Detective so elegantly takes us on a tour of the world, right? Brian, you were talking about the vibes. I'm with you, man. The vibes of True Detective are everything, right? Like it is the vibiest show and I am here for it. And, and, but you, and the world of night country, right? We're above the Arctic circle. It's gonna be dark for six months of the year. I love it. It's real vibey already, right? But you're missing out, I feel like, on some of the vibes by starting it so, um, starting it where you're starting it. And so, like, my thought was, okay, it's going to get dark before any of the action of the show starts? Really? Like, what if it was mm. going to get dark three quarters of the way through this episode? Like, what if they discovered that the scientists have gone missing, like, the day that it's going to get dark, right? Like on the last sunset of the year where there's only a couple hours of light anyway. But having this like, okay, winter, the like long, long, long winter is about to arrive. And once it does, we're never going to find these guys, right? If they've gone missing, then like we got to get the helicopters out right now. We got to get everybody out right now because the sun's going down. We're never going to find them once it's like actually night forever above the Arctic Circle. And so that in itself would create this kind of interesting ticking clock for this for the the premiere or the pilot episode. And then also like you could have 
the the action of the story should naturally lead to an investigation of the world, right? Where we, let's say, you know, there's a kind of a thing in this town where when it's night or like when the last sunset happens or whatever, the police force goes and like, they have to do a check of all the businesses where they're like, oh, are you prepared for like to be snowed in? Or are you, do you have all of this stuff? And so like something like that could also throw the characters together and make them meet a bunch of these other like tertiary characters in a natural way where it's like, Oh, we got to go to the, the local, you know, store. And then we have to go here. We have to go. And people naturally go check on their loved ones. It's like, Oh, this is going to be a thing. I, you know, I don't know, but it just feels like there was potentially a missed opportunity to get those vibes that you want that give it that true detective texture by already like starting the episode after it's night. And it also like, like it or not, film is a visual medium. And if we can't see the mountains and the vastness of the landscapes, you know, the show opens kind of that way, but then the rest of it is just like these little, you know, we're just seeing what's in the headlights of things. And that's cool. That is vibey in and of itself. I love Scandinavian crime fiction. Give it to me. I love like a snowscape <laughs> lit only by like a flashlight. Who doesn't love that? But like... I want to see how big it is. I want to feel the weight of how big the night is. You're calling your show night country, but you, there's got to be a contrast here. Like, what is it like when it's not six months of night? And show me the what it means to lose all of that light and how it thematically does a thing probably for all these characters. I feel like if you're going to have some supernatural stuff, also you should probably like call out in dialogue. They do like one thing where it's like oh, only the third day and night and everything's getting crazy. But it's like mm -hmm. maybe show a thing where not everybody has the constitution to live above the Arctic Circle where it's night for that long and say something about like, well, here it is. Like it happens every year. Somebody cracks like... Or, you know, we all start seeing stuff. You got to have something about the psychological effect in the dialogue. And, and again, having something along those lines in the action of like, okay, we're coming to check on every local business. Do you have your emergency kit? Great. Do you have someone you can call? Like, if you know you start to whatever, like if you need assistance. Something that hints that like, we understand these are extreme conditions for human life. And we're all here to try to maintain a normalcy within it. But like, this is going to be a bit of a bumpy ride. And just kind of making that part of the text, I feel like would really help. I totally agree with everything in theory. The only thing I'm wondering is if they're um, just basically, if you know, if they are do, trying to do like night equals whatever this thing is that is looming over everybody. So they kind of can't wait. It's like if you want to have that opening with like the reindeer and she's she's awake and all that kind of stuff then it's like you kind of have to make night happen right away um but i'm also wondering if we'll get some um how much flashback stuff we'll get and if that'll be set during the and maybe we can kind of get that's the interesting yeah worlds, flashbacks you know? to yeah. the daytime mm -hmm. and stuff which they like tease right we see flashes mm -hmm. of flashbacks and i wanted more of that i was like ooh, okay we're gonna start to see stuff but it was usually there to punctuate dialogue and so, yeah, I am hoping for more flashbacks. I think there's also something interesting about, as you were saying, they're just like how, like how they open. So there's that kind of that little prologue moment. Well, there's a little quote means, there. 
there's a quote, right? I meant to write it down, but I didn't. So we have a quote that basically is like crazy, unimaginable bad things come at night or something to that to that effect. And then we have that little reindeer sequence. And then we start in the uh, research lab, which is also an interesting choice. Like, you know, True Detective season one, you stumble upon like the body. And so you're sort of with the detectives trying to figure it out. You don't know what happened just before. Or well, I feel yes. Like you can do... As a reminder, the mm-hmm. first shot of the first episode of True Detective is actually the murderer carrying the body to the tree. Like you don't see him really. It's like really low angle, out of focus, but it's like somebody's carrying something really heavy through the field. And then you see the fields being burned. Right. So he's like carrying something through the field toward the tree and then the field's being burned. But it's not the same thing as that. Like, here's this guy watching Ferris Bueller burning his popcorn uh, scene. Right. Like in a very brightly lit environment, we see everybody and get a little taste of like kind of their personality, what's going on. And we see kind of everything up to this moment. And then we are taken away before like the, the twist happens or you know the guy turns around or whatever it is and so it's this weird thing where we're sort of getting to see what happened and we're sort of getting to follow it via the detectives but it felt like not the right balance of either of those for me and like and, and Fargo off like shows here's exactly what happened and it's insane and now watch these like detectives try to figure out how like see if they can solve this insane puzzle you know it's kind of the as we've talked about many times on the podcast, the the heist. You either tell people the plan and then it goes wrong or don't tell them the plan and then you get to watch. And this felt sort of like, I kind of know half the plan and then you decided to not tell me the rest of it for reasons in a way that kind of threw me off balance also. Um, yeah. But so so I want to ask as we're getting you know toward the end of sort of this first episode discussion things that are working for us that we're liking and what do we want to see next week what are we most curious to find out alex what's working for you and what do you want to if you're leaning forward towards something what are you leaning forward to yeah i i think i like danvers and navarro as the as the you know at odds cop pairing I, i like both of the actors um and I think they're going to be interesting characters to watch through this season. So I, I do think the, you know, the, the buddy cop or whatever uh, is working for me. And I, what I'm leaning forward to, and I'm hoping for what I'm hoping comes together in the show in a way that's natural and not forced is that season one existential, you know, uh, there's that kind of deeper layer under everything. Yeah, and, and it may require a Matthew McConaughey rambling to sell it um, because I don't know if I bought it as much when out of nowhere, like I mentioned earlier, Navarro, you know, sits back and says, you think, no, God's alone too. It, you know, you can think about that phrase in kind of a stoner thought way and like, oh, you know, if there is like a singular creator, then they're all alone too, you know, but it didn't come in the context of the like, I don't know the the vibes and the ongoing monologuing of season one where it could kind of hit you in that profound way. It just felt like it was shoehorned in there. There was also another moment that felt 
a little bit out of nowhere, but also maybe promising, which is what were they looking for out here in the ice? You know, the origin of life. And, and, it, and it, but I like the idea that we are in an extreme place that can maybe touch these extreme feelings of loneliness or the beginning of life on earth or whatever. So I'm hoping and leaning forward to see if all the supernatural stuff and this kind of existential stuff can come together and kind of, yeah, bring us back to some of those season one vibes because I, yeah, season two, I don't recall really any of that um, from true detective and I, and I missed it. And so I, I am hoping that there's some cohesion to all this and that we get to simmer with Matthew McConaughey and some stoner thoughts uh, throughout this season. <laughs> yeah. Rachel <laughs> McAdams was really good in season two. I remember that. Well, and so there's also the thing that you're saying, you know, as far as the idea of like the sort of deeper meaning that's being discussed in True Detective season one, the crime in that one also is done in a way to suggest meaning. So like off the bat, it's like, this isn't a normal, like you don't just kill someone like this. Like there's clearly meaning here for the person that did that. We need to also dive into the meaning of that if we're going to solve this case. And I get the tingling sense that there is some meaning that's going to be behind the disappearance and what they're doing here and all that stuff. But it's not on the face of it. It's not clear that like that's necessarily what what our heroes are going to have to grapple with in order to solve this case because it's such a mysterious disappearance. And we still don't even have a clear view of the crime scene. All we see is a few heads sticking out of the ground and they're like terrified screaming heads, very stranger things. Um, and not so much kind of like, Ooh, like very mysterious. It looks just like ho pure horror movie. So I'm curious to see once they exhume the crime scene in, in episode two, you know, is it, more mysterious than just a bunch of dudes frozen in terror. Um, well, we'll I mean, I, I assume that the evil climate change corporation is behind all of it, but I hope I'm wrong. Like, not that that's not that those people don't make a villains, but like, I just assume it's like a really obvious thing. And then it's like, then we also have the ghost of this woman who was killed. Maybe she's the one who did it. Cause she's awake, I guess. But, like, both of those solutions being available to me in the first episode do not make me lean forward. So I will say that. I hope it's yeah. not either of those. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I agree. And, I, yeah, I'm, I'm curious to see how supernatural are we going to get. Like, are we going to get full, like, no, it's literally, like, that was a the ghost. ghost did or it. are we going to... Tiptoe. It would be a pretty big break if ultimately the detectives <laughs> discover magic. that like a ghost did this. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> it would be pretty bold for true detectives yeah. to do that. Yeah. Uh, Brian, what about you? What are, What are you liking? What do you want to see? Yeah, I mean, I mean, just to, just to rip off that real quick, um, I do hope that we start to get let's say a human element to the crimes because it's like, I'm yeah. fine with some supernatural stuff, but we can't just spend six hours going, the ghost did it or whatever. You know what I mean? Like there has to be something like, like who, uh, even if it's someone was possessed, whatever you're doing, just like, let me, let me actually be able to like, give me a tangible villain or, or criminal or whatever is going on. Then it's not just people like uncovering weird stuff for, for several episodes. Um, 
and uh and otherwise you know like i said just the vibes just just I like a show that I like to watch, uh, you know, in terms of just I like the, the the video and audio that is being presented to my senses, just like on that pure kind of a level. And, and so far, it's really working for me. And um, and yeah, the Danvers Navarro thing, you know, I've talked before about how I, I was just realized like True Detective season one, seven fight club at collateral swingers. It's like I just love here's two like diametrically opposed people put them in a room together and see what happens. Um, but then also in a lot of those examples, like what is that saying thematically? What is that saying philosophically? Like what are we actually doing with that? It's not just there for conflict and drama. It's there to kind of like speak about something. Um, and of course, True Detective Season 1 did it a lot and, and you know, he like stole a bunch of that stuff from a philosophy book or something. <laughs> like, like literally like monologues were just like, just copied and pasted. Uh, so, you know, that we maybe aren't going to get that, um, that kind of thing going on, but I do hope that, that I, I am looking forward to actually seeing Danvers and Navarro stuck in a room together, essentially working on something without really wanting to be together and disagreeing about how things are done and that presenting conflict and drama, but then also on a, on a thematic macro level, the way that they approach things being, uh, just them actually like voicing their different philosophies and making that, making me feel challenged by that making me feel like whose side am I actually on here? What do I feel about this? You know? Um, so I'm hoping that they, that feels like a true detective kind of formula, but I'm hoping to actually see it in, in action. If it, there's like a hint of it with, you know, Danvers makes a few comments about spirit animals and kind of, kind of putting down maybe some of Navarro's beliefs but it feels a little bit surface level right now. I, I'm with you, Brian. I really want there to be a deeper philosophical divide between them that gets flushed out throughout the season. I hope that is true. Yeah. Yeah. Same. Yeah. Trisha, what about you? What What's working for you? Jodie Foster. I mean... I guarantee you she will be in future yeah. episodes. She's working. <laughs> she generally really works for me. Uh, the part... The thing that really bummed me out was that they made her like frantically trying to turn off the TV in the lab. And I was like, this is, this is not a good bit of business. Like this is not, you know, um, and then her, her line, like, I'm not a big Beatles fan. I'm like, "Uh, no, no one can say that. Not even Jodie Foster. It must be a thing. Uh, Yeah. It must be like when her son died, that was playing or something. Mm -hmm. But uh, yeah, 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 yeah. Right. It's so, uh, (laughs) contrived. Also, the the idea that the movie got stuck on a loop. Again, it's like that's supernatural stuff. That's like, oh, there's a weird right. electromagnetic loop here. I hate it. Um, the ring. Get it out of my true detective. Um, anyway, that some, some of that doesn't work. But then there are other lines in this where, like, no human could possibly deliver, but Jodie Foster makes them work somehow. The line that she says to the kid about the fantasy football league is like, uh, yeah. nobody in the world could say that, but Jodie Foster can somehow do it. Like, she can make me believe that she cares this much. They, the fact that they put her in, like, the dumb sweatshirt while she's talking about fantasy football is, like, too much. But I do like the overall idea of, like, establishing an aspect of her character. And it just, yeah. Generally, I think she's really, really working in this. The other things that I like, I mean, I, in theory, am really interested in this kind of community like i like the idea of 
you know, instead of like a sprawling community where nobody knows anybody, it's this really intimate community where this drunk lady is just an annoying person that you have to lock up for a night. Like I, I like that stuff. Um, and you know, kind of everybody knows somebody like the deputy calls Navarro about her sister. And like, he's like, I'm not going to tell anyone about this. Like that sort of intimate intimacy that's created in kind of a closed community like this, I think is really interesting and rife for drama. So I really want there to be more of that. Like I even like the son and his dad, like he, you know, kind of broke into his dad's house to steal a file just because the chief told him to. I like that. That's an interesting character that's more loyal to the chief than he is to his dad. Um, that's potentially really interesting. And again, there's there's good drama embedded in some of the character relationships that are being set up. So um, I don't like the way they're being set up, but I'm curious to see all that, you know, can be all the dramatic rewards that maybe can be reaped from some of this setup work. Yeah. Yeah. A lot of dominoes seem to be set up and I don't quite understand where they could fall or why they're going to fall or where they're going to fall, but they're dominoes. So I assume they're going to fall and I look forward to that. I hope so. As we've learned from some of our previous, what we're watching, not all set up (laughs) dominoes go anywhere. (laughs) A lot of them don't fall. I like randomly was like, I'm going to listen to a Boba Fett episode. And it was like episode four Mm, or five mm, or something. mm. And we were talking about like, Oh, this is all Good setup that would have been great in the pilot. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, oh, wow. Yeah. Anyway. TV's uh, hard. No one's saying it's TV's easy. super hard. The all night thing I think is really cool. It's every time they're actually like driving out and I feel like the texture of that, like that's working for me. And like you were saying, Trisha, the setting of it's the small town. It's in extreme conditions. It's kind of different cultures that have now been forced to live together like i think there is a lot of rich things to investigate in the world and that's all really working for me and and the kid like you were saying the 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 younger deputy kind of person i feel like those characters work for me where it's like oh i want him to like do good and learn things and he's kind of learning the ropes and he's trying like a there's like a visceral i get what the deal is and I'm on like his side kind of implicitly. And so I'm curious to see where that character goes also, because I think that's a, an interesting part of this character web that could be really cool. All right, well, this has been our conversation about True Detective Night Country episode part, episode one, <laughs> part one. I assume they're all gonna be called parts. Uh, so next week we'll be talking about part two, presumably. Uh, and as I said at the beginning, all the subsequent episodes are going to be released on the Beyond Screenplay Patreon. So head over there, sign up so you can watch along and hear our thoughts and discuss all of it on our Discord week by week as we go through it. Thank you for listening. Thank you to the patrons for making this show possible. And we will see you all for Night Country Episode 2 next week. Bye, everybody. Bye-bye. Bye. Bye.